Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to this month's Movies Podcast. Coming up, we have reviews of The Edge, Despicable Me, Devil and Judge Dredd on Blu-ray. And in 3D, we look at Coraline, Legends of the Guardians and The Lover's Guide. And joining me for this month's Movies Podcast, we have Chris McAneen, Jeff, Hello. Simon, and Mark. Hello. What about me? You <laughs> You've got to get in there with a big hello. Hello! Yeah, you overrid my hello. You've said hello to me and now I didn't hear it. I presume it's hello to me or have you forgotten about me? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, uh, you know which way this podcast going to go. It's the Reviews Podcast, I'm sure. We'll try our very hardest to stick to the subjects that we're going to talk about this evening, uh, but we can't guarantee anything. So we're going to go to Chris first with an oldie but a goodie. Oldie but goldie would have been better, smoother. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about The Edge. Who remembers that then? The Edge from 1997. Anthony Hopkins, Alec Baldwin, at one with nature, or not, as the case may be, when their plane crashes in the supposedly Alaskan wilderness. And these two guys and another trusty confidant find themselves at the mercy of Mother Nature. They, um, they've got no idea how to light a fire, how to find north. They've got no idea how to deal with um, you know, the animals in the, the wilderness. And all they need to do is get hundreds of miles back to civilization. But there's, of course, there's a few little problems there besides the elements. And that is the fact that two of them are at loggerheads because... Anthony Hopkins plays a billionaire, not a millionaire. He's much greater than that. He's a billionaire, but he's very introverted and he's a bit of a bookworm. And he happens to be married to Ellie McPherson, who plays a fashion model in the film as well. And Alec Baldwin is the guy who's the main photographer for this fashion shoot that they were up there supposedly to do. And he's also having an affair with Ellie McPherson. And obviously, Anthony Hopkins has sussed onto this so there's a bit of tension between the two, but can they put aside their differences to survive in the wilderness? We'll have to wait and see. But of course, you know, this is the film that was made more famous by the fact that real life, real life air sign actor Bart the Bear, who's been in lots and lots of movies, um, is a fabulous, fabulous, you know, typecast actor because he only gets to play bears. But uh, he is absolutely wonderful. Uh, if you think you think yeah, the shark in Jaws was you know terrifying. Wait till you see this guy in action. Uh, barely have they spent you know a few hours in the wilderness, and this thing has picked up their sense. Barely, I like it. <laughs> oh, and I didn't even think of that one. And he's got their sense, and he's coming for them. He gets the taste of blood, and he's never going to leave them alone. And it is absolutely fantastic. It's a real edge of the seat sort of, um, you know, roller coaster ride. Uh, the the bear attacks of oh God, you know, they're really severe. The, the intensity of these sequences and the fact, you know, because this there's barely oh, I don't believe I've done it again. <laughs> there's, there's barely any you know prop pause being used in this. This is the bear coming after them, but he's so highly trained. Apparently, 
like he's, he's died now, the poor thing. You think he died in 2000 of cancer or something like that. And um, he was absolutely, uh, a lot of adverts, a lot of other movies. In fact, he started with Anthony Hopkins before in Legends of the Fall. Uh, so the, you know, the two of them obviously knew each other. But the actors are very close to this creature when it's coming for them. And it is swiping at them. It is stomping the ground. There's a particular sequence where Anthony Hopkins has been uh, caught out in the open again. And this thing comes flying at him. And he's legging it through the trees. And this thing is just pushing the trees down in the same shot coming for him. It is just you know, real edge of the seat stuff. Very um, you know, galvanistic, very terrifying. And it's all spared along by an exquisite score from Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, you go back again to Jaws, and John Williams created, you know, the perfect signature tune for, you know, an animal that's turned into a monster, and, you know, it's just sheerly terrifying. And, you know, his Jaws theme was fantastic, obviously, and iconic. Goldsmith creates something similar, uh, but far more primal for this bear. And, you know, every single sequence the bear is in is a standout absolute standout and I can't recommend the film enough this is on Blu-ray obviously uh, it came out quite some time ago I don't even know when but I only picked it up myself only uh, the other week uh, it's region 8 region 8 coded and it's a it's a reasonable transfer I've got to say it, it's not nothing staling nothing stellar grain is there there's no DNR there might be a smidgen of edge enhancements it's um, what ratio is it it's two yeah it's a big wide expansive two three five to one uh, they filmed it in uh, Alberta. Um, it's standing in for Alaska, and the wilderness looks truly astonishingly beautiful, but also terrifyingly desolate. And, you know, if you got stuck out there, you wouldn't have a chance, man. <laughs> wouldn't have a chance. And uh, the image, it, it's pretty much, it's pretty good in, in close-ups. You've got the stubble as the days go by, and they're, they're starving to death, these guys, and running for their lives. The stubble's beginning to grow. There's more cuts and bruises on their faces. Uh, you're seeing that in the close-up. You're seeing the texture of the clothes they've got. Anything close-up looks tight, nice, and resolved. Distances, mm, it kind of goes a bit soft, a bit faded. As I say, there might be a smidgen of edge enhancement, but that you see that against the uh, the ridge lines. So I mean, it could be inherent to the photography. I don't know. It's a robust transfer. I'll give it that. It's not going to win any awards, but. It, it's kind of muted in colours as well, kind of drab looking. But then again, it is winter time, and you know there's not a lot of flowers or foliage on the deck, uh, so you know it kind of is a bit more realistic. But it's got a great DTS HD uh, 5.1 track, which um, makes full use of the surrounds. Nothing particularly bombastic. The bear attacks, obviously, you know the whole speaker system comes into play. And the roaring of this beast, oh God, you know, it, it is, it is, you know, you know, sphincter tingling. Um, there's, a bit where, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit where they, they set this, this, you know, ring of fire around them. Sphincter tingling, and now I've got a ring of sphincter fire. Sphincter tingling, and more of that later on. <laughs> How much of this can you bear? Oh, oh, oh the bare face cheek. Oh, and it's moving around them. Now, you can actually hear the, the scuffling of the bear in one, one speaker, then it moves around. The snorting taking place over your shoulder. <laughs> that might not be the film. It's <laughs> you know, also the wife. Get away! I don't want any tea. <laughs> was that was a bear, or was that the wife? That was the wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so the, the action scenes uh, sort of come alive. Goldsmith's soundtrack is given a, a real good presentation as well. So you know the film does feel immersive. You know during the big moments. Uh, so yeah, there's no extra features though. There's there's nothing on this at all, nothing. Not even a trailer. 
No, it's it's bare bones. Nice, Gabby. Oh. Bare bones. Oh my god. Hang on, do we get a trailer? I don't know. You might do. I've got the box here. Who watches them anyway? You know what's so ridiculous? You don't know where to put a trailer of the movie on the disc. What's the point in that? <laughs> what's the point so, in that? Well, old trailers, yeah. You used to. You probably the watch movies. them. You're such a movie freak. You probably watch all the trailers, do you? I agree with Chris here. If it's an old movie, it's sometimes interesting to see how it was promoted. Yeah, sometimes you got you got scenes which weren't actually in the finished movie as well. Little snippets of things, tantalising images of things that it never came to be, because uh, the in the old days the trailers were, were cut so far in advance of the film's release, um, and, and some of the old trailers were just so well put together. They were works of art in their own right, particularly <laughs> the old video nasty kind of trailers, because they just made the films look so epic. Things like the Beyond, you know, with uh, City of Living Dead, you know, Lucio Fulci kind of movies which were, you know, cheap and, you know, agreeably nasty. And yet the trailers made them look like it was the gone with the wind of gore, you know. But, uh, you know, but okay. I think there's a trailer on this, but that's about it, though. That's about it. But it's still, I, I heartily recommend it because it's such a, a great man against nature, you know. I've never, I've, I can't believe that one slipped me by because I like Hopkins, like, you know, I might check that out now. Well, it's Hopkins playing Hopkins, you know. There's, there's nothing different to what he does. Um, I think it's almost like they wrote the character because this in, introverted nature of his, he's very quiet and reserved and a little bit difficult to get on with. You know, he's kind of, he almost shy in, in a way. But that's that suits, you know, Hopkins' style of performance anyway. No matter who mm. he is, he's got that weird speech pattern. He's got that kind of cold sort of, you know... Yeah, he could I be know, a serial killer, couldn't he? I don't know what you're thinking look in his eyes, you know, which made him so perfect for Hannibal Lecter, of course. We'll see him so, in tour as well, yeah. Hey, we'll what? see him in tour, won't we? Oh God, I yeah, yeah. Isn't he copiously CGI'd and that with a big buffed up body? Yeah, it's, yeah he is. Yeah, he looks really, really <laughs> stiff. And more of that later on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's uh, that's the edge. Sounds interesting, Chris. And uh, the review uh, is it up on the site, or are we waiting on that one? No, you, it, it'll be coming shortly. Excellent, and uh, we'll talk about that a bit later on as well. So <laughs> moving on, I was just about to say that <laughs> the, the viewers will be going, "What's going on? What's coming on?" The viewers, oh, the viewers, the viewers, the as well. The listeners, whatever. The audience, my fans, call them what you will. <laughs> Okay, so we'll move on to Jer. Jer, Despicable Me, tell us all about it. Despicable Me is um, one of the big animation releases of last year, but it may have slipped you by because it was released around the same time as uh, Megamind, um, Illumination Entertainment, new kids on the block. So um, we got DreamWorks, we got Pixar, and now we got Illumination. So Illumination are competing with two of the best in the business who have put out two of their best movies of all time, How to Train Your Dragon from DreamWorks and Toy Story 3 from Pixar, which I know Simon loves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one, the, 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 it's a small kind of studio. Everything's done in, in-house. Pierre Coffin and Chris Renault directed this one. First feature debut from those guys. Former animators wrote the story, so it's a very kind of close-knit, it looks like a low-budget kind of effort, you know? But they have a network of people spread across the globe, so they actually have got quite a lot of talent on their team. So this story uh, revolves around this guy called Gru, who's an evil supervillain. But just when he thinks that he's he's the main man and the best villain in the world, a new guy comes along called Vector, and he steals the pyramids. So not to be outdone, Grug is on a mission to steal the moon. 
and he does this by trying to um, acquire a shrink ray, which of course Vector obtains, and there's a huge battle of how to get the shrink ray back off Vector so he can execute his evil plan. So he adopts three little girls to send in with robot cookies to spy on Vector, get the shrink ray back, and execute his plan. So of course, this you can see the way this is going. It becomes a buddy cutesy movie where, of course, Gru's ice heart melts when he spends a lot of time with these girls. Um, not to give too much away about the plot, but you know it, it promotes family values and whatnot. It's entertaining, good fun for kids. I know, yeah. Who likes family values? Um, more about the founding blocks of family values later on. Good listeners. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like I say, uh, it's a good movie. It's fun for the kids. There's not really a whole lot in the way of plot substance. I mean, like it's not it's not anything like up. It's not going to blow you away. It's not going to tug at your emotional heartstrings. It's not going to inspire any adventure. The kids will lap it up. There's um, Steve Carell's in it from The Office, and he does a good job playing Gru. He puts on this kind of Eastern European accent, and there's a bit of the ironies about him at time, which can be funny, you know what I mean? Uh, we've also got Jason Segal in there from Knocked Up, uh, playing the uh, counter-villain uh, Vector. And Will Arnott's in there from Arrested Development, and... Uh, also is Russell Brand, who plays Dr. Nefarium. He's actually quite a good voice actor. I didn't actually realise it was him, and I normally hate Russell Brand, but he's actually all right in this one. I don't have to look at his hideous face. And we've also got Julie Andrews uh, playing Gru's evil mother. So there's a pretty, you know, good cast with regards to voice talent in there. Um, they all do a good job. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with the movie. There's nothing particularly great about it either. It's just kind of ho-hum. But like I say, it's for kids and kids will get the most out of it. It's kind of another franchise drive, I think. Uh, the disc looks absolutely outstanding, as you'd expect from an animation. Primaries are vivid, burst off the screen. Um, it was released in 3D, so the depth of the image is absolutely stunning at times. It really looks 3D. 3D pop is fantastic amazing layering to the image as well you really can flow it i mean like it's going to get 10 out of 10 when i um get the review up on the site uh sound again impeccable a little bit front heavy at times but there's lots of action sequences in there to bring the surroundings to life tremendous lfe on it as well there's the, the he vector the evil body replaces the pyramids with a giant inflatable version of the pyramids and when it collapses it lets out this giant fart so it sounds <laughs> And you can feel it rumbling through the living room. Yeah, so it's good. As is to be expected <laughs> from one of these. Well, it is good. It's good. I like a bit of bass rumbling, even if it is to descend of a fart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it isn't there, you can always supply it yourself. <laughs> <wouldn't> you? <laughs> that is true. Universal always do a good job with their packages. This thing's packed to the gills with a whole load of stuff. Three mini movies, which are kind of like deleted scenes. Commentary track in there with the directors and the minions which are Gru's little helpers so that's really contrived because they're having conversations like oh here comes an invisible animated character to join in the bloody commentary track and they're doing stuff and it's just rubbish anyway uh there's also Gru control which is like a pip picture but really all that happens is the little minions interrupt the movie and you know it, it, it zooms back into a screen and they kind of hop around the place and throw stuff at you and smash your television you know or pretending to smash it and whatnot so that's obviously completely aimed towards 3d viewers uh there's the world of despicable me which is like a little documentary there's despicable beats which is um a feature uh, about the score which was done by pharrell williams and they're going on like this is the best score in the universe it's just kind of bog standard you know what i mean like you can have less than christmas see what you think there's nothing there's nothing there 
the title track's a bit irritating, but it fits the movie. You know what I mean? You're not going to get out and wow out of Pharrell Williams and a bloody medi- no, mediocre animation, no. you know? Uh, there's also Gru's Rocket Builder, which is actually a very good feature for the kids, viewers, if you're paying attention. Uh, what it allows you to do is it's like a trivia game where the kids have to pick out where famous monuments around the world are and then the game rewards you with pieces of a rocket that you build and it flies away to the moon i spent hours on it great yeah and that's it great package i mean like you got everything in here absolutely tons of stuff is yes uh, i I tell you that this is the 2d disc that you're talking about even though you're talking quite a bit about 3d yeah i just like saying the word 3d and you like hearing it it is the two it is it is the 2d version um until you shell out and get me a 3D setup, for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm going to be doing the uh, the 3D version this month later. No, I can't even the, get the, the, freaking... the UK one, so oh. we, we, we will be covering both. Great, I'd say this this will blow your way, Simon. I'd say this is looks amazing, amazing in 3D, but mm. it looks pretty it looks pretty good in 2D as well. You know what I mean? Like the colors. That's what I'm saying about 3D. I mean, like the picture is just popping. It's it's really stunning like you know i think they've kind of they've brought animation a little nudge further you know what i mean there's nothing groundbreaking about it but it just looks really 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 good my kids don't even know that film exists i know we see it can make the same time i thought thought it looked like absolute pants so i made sure that i I never mentioned it they never saw it in any magazines if the trailer came on i would distract them I just thought, oh, it's, oh, it's, was, was there not a bit of controversy about this? And uh, what was the other one? Mega Mind. Mega Mind. The, the they they released it like a couple of weeks early or something like that, and blew them out of the water. Yeah, there was some sneaky PR stunt they pulled. All right, sure. Why not? You have to get out there. They're a wee independent studio. You compete with the guys who gave you How to Train Your Dragon. You know what I mean? You've got a lot of work to do. Excellent. So that's a despicable me. <coughs> <laughs> 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 I'll do that bit, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's Despicable Me, and uh, like you say, the 3D version's out. Joe's uh, reviewed the 2D version. Is it on the website yet, Joe? Uh, not yet, Philip, but I take the hint. I'll get it up as quickly as I can. Oh, <laughs> that's coming later, isn't it? I can't believe I'm getting braided on the podcast. God, well, you did say it'd blow us away. More of that later on. Now, uh, <laughs> moving on to Mark, and uh, Mark's going to talk about Devil. Yep. Um... <sighs> Pretty much um, high concept fluff, really. It's uh, poster well, bearer. More of that later oh, on. Okay, <laughs> thanks very much. Let's do something else. <laughs> if we run out of time now, all these jokes are going to fall flat. It's... Oh, Keira Knightley. <laughs> poster bearing the tagline from the mind of M. Night Shyamalan. Now, whether you're a fan of his or not, that's always likely to bring in a certain amount of punters, but from the mind of is a pretty loose term. And in this instance, it's been used a bit like um, when Tarantino was in his heyday with the likes of uh, Killing Zoe and True Romance, where Tarantino's name would always be at the top of the poster or somewhere emblazoned on publicity material, even though realistically the final product had little to do with him. And this is very much the case here. It's uh, in fact directed by uh, John Eric Dowdle, who did, Quarantine, which was the US remake of the excellent Spanish uh, zombie flick, Wreck. Um, It's, as I say, very much high concept stuff. Five people uh, trapped in a lift and one of them's the devil. Oh man, what a nightmare scenario. Exactly. 
And imagine uh, if he, imagine if the devil farted, that'd be a game over, worst scenario ever. <laughs> Trapping the live with the devil's fart. That honestly would have probably made a better film. <laughs> <laughs> The problem uh, is, it, this is... Imagine the I mean, bass reverb on that, DTS as well. <laughs> but but it, it's supposedly an idea by M. Night Shyamalan. It says the stories by him. But yeah. they never actually go into how how much of the story he actually came up with, whether it was, uh, you know, he handed over an in-depth, you know, partially written screenplay or whether he just said to someone, wouldn't this be a good idea, the devil in the lift? It's he, a great he, pitch. He thought of it and went, that's crap. I'm never going to make that. It's, it's it's a pure Twilight Zone sort of pitch, isn't it? You've got a group of people trapped in an elevator and more of them is the devil. How would you well, go off from thing. that the, now? The, that's the, a half the, hour the, sort of thing. Explain why the devil was like in a lift. Surely he can fly. Yeah. <laughs> why was he stuck there? But but that's the thing. I mean, this is the first of supposedly three films called uh, The Night Chronicles. Oh, God. Oh, what a be, it sounds spoke. pants already. Yeah, which he hopes will be spoken of in the same breath as the Twilight Zone or you know Alfred Hitchcock presents and the like. What what happened to M Night? He just went down the pan. He just got completely atrocious. This is what's happened. Well, he believed to him. his own hype, didn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's now releasing things like this. This is essentially it's a glorified Twilight Zone episode, but not as good. It's, he's got a I stupid mean, it, name anyway. It runs. It's eighty-one minutes long. Is that all? I mean, it's, it's, you know, when your film is being outrun by the likes of Midsummer Murders, you're in real trouble. And Well, I, I don't know. It, it depends, doesn't it? Because it, is it all set in the lift? No, it's not. That's the thing. Were it 81 minutes entirely set in the lift, I could see where they would have trouble elongating that material. But ultimately, it's it's got the ring of something very high concept, as I say, it, it's claustrophobic. It's all in the lift. But really, all the big elements of scares, all the main story elements, are told from outside the lift. So really, there's very little that you can do other than kill off the people in the lift. And oh, once they him. start falling, it, it's basically, it's it's Agatha Christie's uh, And Then There Were None, Ten Little Indians. It's the final person you're waiting to see who's left and say, right, well, then they're the perpetrator. Well, all I'll say is is that it it not only replicates the setup for and then there were none, but it, it replicates also um, the end twist, and it's something that's been used again in um, in the Saw, the original Saw film. It, it's a very, very old, very established way of diverting uh, attention from the real perpetrator, and it you can see it happening a mile off. And one of the great it, problems here is that high concept, you can. Uh, for a feature film, you'd expect a bit more gore than than the likes of the Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, that kind of thing. But really, when you're stuck in a lift, how many different ways are there to kill someone? Uh, you know, they might have been aiming for something genuinely scary, but really, you've got a mirror, you've got light fittings, and then you've got then they resort to snapping someone's neck so quickly because they just run out of things to do. Are the other people in the lift? Are they there for a reason? Has the devil actually got these people there for a reason? Well, that's the thing. It's, I mean, I love, I love this kind of film anyway. That anything that has the slightly devilish twist, I like. And it Whoa. starts with it, with the, with the standard, you know, tagline with a, a quotation from the Bible. It says, "Be sober, be vigilant, seeking whom he may devour." Now, it it Ooh. sounds good. So you think, yeah, right, 
they've thrown in a bit of, you know, the omen, throw in something genuinely, you know, book of revelations or something. It isn't all you really and have. Put them out. <laughs> yeah. All, all you, yeah. All <laughs> is you want the seas turning to blood. Yeah, that that's what you want. You want something that really shows uh, the devil's power. That's you know the the great the great films that that tackle with the subject. He uh, did stop they, a lift, a lift, didn't he? Pretty... <laughs> he stopped a lift. That's that's pretty weak. Probably just and he makes the, the lights button. go out. Ooh. Oh, now. Uh, is it kind of like the lights go out? And there's some ladies like, in there. Yeah. <laughs> is he a horny devil? Is it, is he Kaiser Suzy? No, he's not. <laughs> Oh, well. so who's who's in the this? greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist and then he shows up in a lift imagine that eh? <laughs> and where is this lift what kind of building is it in a Best tall one what <laughs> 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 do you think a bungalow what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be somebody on cribs they a have tall lifts. one <laughs> What do you think? An old people's home is one of those little disability lifts or something. Oh, yeah. my, my question is the devil on a Stan Astaire lift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you saying Thora Heard was the devil? So who's which actors are in this, Marcus? No, Marcus. no one really of any great note. Um oh, should have should have be pleased to hear that from you. That's why you didn't mention them, is it? Well, basically, it'll be, oh, yeah, I remember him from something, but I don't know his name. Now, is but this, the, the great pity is, is, is that... Shia you know, a ding dong uh, means <laughs> he can't get big names in his movies now. He's he like the biggest name in the universe. Well, no, I, I don't think that's the thing, because it, it you know it's not really his film. As I say, it, it's bearing this tagline from the mind of... Mind. It's, I'll tell you what, if the film was a bloody success... His name would be even bigger on it, wouldn't it? Yes, it was yeah. all my idea. Yes, you'd be on the commentary track as well. I'd say. Bring the on the night chronicles. Is that one of the writing credit? Is um Brian Nelson, who's who's also you know other credits have been uh Thirty Days of Night and uh, Hard Candy. So you'd expect something at least with a little bit of a twist of originality. A, a bite to it. to it. Picture not bad. Sound a little bit better. Sound Extras. audible. <laughs> That's about it. it I mean. Jesus, you know what? I hate extras. You hate extras, Mark. You probably like extras. I know you like extras, Chris. I hate extras. Just want to say well, that. Whoever made this oh, the dish extras you really hates that, extras. Despicable me sound terrible. Yeah, I know. You see, never but, ended. but I do like, you see, when they give you a game, you know, because I like playing games, but like, yeah, they're just awful. There's tons of them. Hey, and I have yeah, to, I, yeah, and I, you know, because I'm so thorough, I have to go through, again. I actually had to make five types of cookies because I'm that thorough of a reviewer. Sorry, Mark, go on. You were saying something there. <laughs> I've honestly lost the will to live. I really have. <laughs> uh, don't worry, it's, it could it's be worse. pretty normal when Jazz are in. You could be stuck in a lift, not with the devil, but with the me devil. and chair. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> Here, Mark, me and Chris come on your games podcast. <laughs> well, I hate games, but it'd be a laugh. Oh, it'd be a laugh. Come on, we just come in and cause havoc. <laughs> God. Come on now, Mark. Come Spit on, Mark. Out, you can do it. Let's go. Well, well, that's your choice, Mark. You either stuck in a lift with Jer or you let him on your games podcast. <laughs> there you go. What would you want? And I just had beans. <laughs> <laughs> that was got none of me, baby. He's had beans and I'm horny. <laughs> <laughs> 
and not very fussy either. <laughs> <laughs> Mark? Yeah. Are you there, Mark? He's all playing games. This is crap. I'm never looking at another movie again. <laughs> Can I just go on to the extras of this? Yeah, go on. Do the extras. They're poor. All right. Deleted scenes, you've got... The, all it is is just just under four minutes of intros for the characters that really, you know, you can see why they cut it, but when the film's coming in at 81 minutes anyway, they may as well have just left them in. The story, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan just says that he came up with a story and they played two minutes of clips. The oh, Devil's yeah. Meeting, you've got a bloke who actually got a PhD in whatever the hell it is. <laughs> whatever the hell it is, something. that's great. I don't know. It, it's The only thing interesting about it was his hat, which was quite cool. Oh. But other than that, it, it's just it's all just filler material. Is there it, no games on it, it? Like how to get out of no, ten Shut minutes in total of extras split into four sections, and it, you've got about nine minutes of clips in there. Wow, that's poor. Oh, you know where this is going? It's just going to be who do you not want to be stuck in the lift with? <laughs> who, who? Yeah, who would be? Do we start one? a poll. Rap its fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good one. Right, so uh, moving from Devil, thanks very much for that uh, uh, review, Mark. And uh, we move over to Chris, who's going to talk about Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, yeah. Poster boy from, you know, 1977 onwards with 2000 AD. An absolute cult, iconic, right-wing, ultra-fascist, um, dirty Harry of the future. The judges, uh, the actors, judge, jury, and executioner on the streets of the futuristic Mega City One after the apocalypse has taken out most of the world and reduced anywhere that isn't behind these massive walled city-states to uh, what they call the cursed earth, full of mutants and aliens and all sorts of weirdos. Uh, yeah, it was a, a film long-awaited. Um, 2008, cult classic comic in the, in the UK. I grew up with it, loved it. America didn't really understand it. Um, a fellow called Charles Lippincott, uh, a Yank, um, who had great passion for um, Judge Dredd and you know the whole comic, tried like mad for 25 years to get this film off the ground, um, and he struggled with it with the American um, distributors and producers because they didn't get it, didn't get the irony. But that's America for you, isn't it? And then finally, it turns out that Stallone wants to make the movie, so there he is. He's got the chin for it. The iconic character never takes the helmet off. That's that's one of the rules. It's a you know it's a hard and fast rule. You never see his face. And uh, but Stallone is in the movie to get the film off the ground in the first place. You got to have a big star, a big star like him who could fulfil the athletic and physical side of the role and had a bit of you know action man charisma to him. Got a bit of clout. There's no way on earth that guy's going to be in the film and not take his helmet off. Simple well, I mean, that. Like, that, that disgusted me because I was like, "You, I like Judge Dredd," but that when he took his helmet off, I was like, "Oh my god!" Because it was looking so good. He had the bike. He had the what's the what's the gun called? The justifier or yeah, the, law, the lawgiver was the, um, the, the gun. The lawgiver. Yeah, he had it all, and then he took cool, his helmet cool off. Cool, cool gun. The bike, was, the lawmaster bikes looked yeah. the part. The uniforms looked the part. Yeah. You know, he looked. It, it was great. He, he should have kept the helmet so, on. So many sequence. He had a block war in there as well. I mean, but. Brit director Danny Cannon made the movie. He's only done a couple of things before, and I think Young Americans was one of them. Um, he had a big passion for the movie as well. Um, but once again, you know, the executive producers stepped in. Yeah, you know what? Like... In. No, we're going to do it this way. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was sitting there when the film first came out, and I was really prepared to, you know, to throw bricks at the screen and like, you know, denounce my hero Stallone for how dare you do this. 
But, you know, I've, I've got to be honest, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. It is uh, enjoyable, isn't it? Yeah. You have to, yeah, I mean, when, when, we're now in an age where people go back and we do these things, Judge Red's being made again right now, Carl Urban, who hasn't got the chin for the part, but is a, is a, is a good actor, you know, and he's agreed he will, he will not take the helmet off. Uh, we'll talk about the, the new version in a minute, if anybody wants to, but uh, yeah, that'll, be to. The more, that'll be the more genuine sort of article. But back in 1995, when this came out, there was no way it was going to be done true to form. They weren't going to be authentic. They weren't going to be faithful. They wanted to get bums on seats, and they wanted explosions, and they wanted a big star there. Basically, Stallone had just done Cliffhanger and Demolition Man, which is remarkably similar in tone. Isn't it so like Demolition Man? Jesus, they're like identical. Yeah. So, I mean, they're on a roll, weren't they? It's Stallone again. He's He's a futuristic cop. He doesn't take prisoners. You know, he's brutal. Yeah, he hands out summary justice on the streets of this, you know, um, riot-torn future city. It's exactly the same sort of mentality. And the thing is, though, they, they pitched a hell of a lot of things in there. They knew how to get, you know, the things that were going to tease and tantalize the fans. You had the Angel Gang in there. You had an ABC warrior. Okay, that was drafted in from another comic strip, book 2008. But it fitted the universe. It fitted in. It worked. But, but have, isn't, uh, isn't 2008 certain Mega City one of those well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So they're kind of, they're kind of neighbours, Judge Dredd. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, of course. It fits, the universe stuff. fits. It all, it all works out. And the story they chose to have was um, the return of Rico, which is, you know, the judges are, are cloned. Um, well, some of them are anyway. Um, Stallone, the Dredd himself was cloned. And Why would you want to clone, clone someone with a face <laughs> like Stallone? You'd fix, you'd fix that lip, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would, yeah. It's great except for one thing. <laughs> what have you done to the lip? For the love of God. Uh, yeah, the chin works, but the lip's all over the place. So Armando Sante plays Rico, this, this cloned, you know, betraying, psychotic, extra chromosome brother, clone brother of Dread. He gets out of prison, he comes back to Mega City 1, and he wants to unleash his army of clones. It's There's nothing in the least bit original about this story. But it doesn't matter. As a Stallone vehicle, it is brilliant. It is, it, you've got corny one-liners, you've got lots of cheesy action, <laughs> which we will be discussing a great lot. <laughs> <laughs> Quite soon, folks. <laughs> it's got all that sort of stuff. Leave. Get the production cal- values are, are, are spot on. I mean, this is a film. Don't forget, CG has been around for a long time, but it really wasn't coming into its own properly and believably. You know, well, Jurassic Park was an exception, but you know, you're talking you're talking 2000 onwards, aren't you? Where CGI really, really, you know, excelled. And you had lots of CGI in Judge Dredd. And I think it integrates pretty well. Apart from that, they've got a speed the bike chase. Well, it's the lawgiver chase. Um, Lawmaster, there the end. These are the, the judges' bikes, which is a pure um, template for what Lucas would then do in, you know, God, what was it now? Um, Star Attack Wars. Of the clones. Attack of the Clones. When you have the, uh, this, this sort of like, you know, chase through Coruscant. It's identical to that, only on a much lower budget. Yeah, that's a good chase, though, that one. And the thing is, a lot of the same things sort of happen in this. You know, they're, they're rip-roaring all over these, these sky-rise, um, you know, city streets teeming with flying traffic, um, loads of explosions. And it, it, it is, it's good stuff. But that, that bit kind of stands out as not being the best. But what makes this film really work is the amount of, you know, actual practical effects that they've done. I mean, these bikes are real. You know, the, the, 
Um, the robots are real. The ABC warrior, Mike, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's the super cool. Hulk. I mean, that that bit, yeah, where um, Rico has, you know, got free and he finds this thing, like an, an antique weapons dealer. Uh, yeah. Played by Ian Jury, by the way, in a nice little cameo. Uh, and he, he rewires this thing and his eyes start glowing demonically. Yeah. And he said, and it, goes, it says to him, like, um, mission. And like Rico goes, we're going to war. And this thing just stands up and goes, whoa. I love it. Well, yeah, when I seen the ABC Warrior, I was like deadly. It's truly, truly awesome. Um, and of course, you, you've got Mean Angel, part of the, uh, the Angel Gang. These are cursed earth pirates and scavengers. Uh, okay, admittedly, this is for, for the fans. And uh, you, you, you're missing out Fink Angel with Ratty, uh, which was a, apparently he was written in. And there is, if you look on the cast list, there actually was someone playing him. So something went wrong there. You know, was it the execs? Was it, I don't know, don't know, but he's not in the finished movie. Um, but you've got Mean Angel, who's this mutant thing. He's good, he's he's part cyborg, you know, and uh, he's, he's all head case. He has a, a massive metallic claw for one arm and a real serious badass attitude, a dial on his head, which goes from one to four. And his speciality is um, chrome dome headbutting, isn't it? And yeah. he's absolutely terrifying. And, it, and he's brought to life tremendously well in the movie i mean the fans were like you know you're sitting there this is this is exactly what you wanted to see but oh no stallone has got no helmet on and if he's got no helmet on then he's not dread is he it's as simple as that um it's the minute the helmet was off it became a stallone movie now i've not got a problem with that the action was fast it was chaotic uh, there was lots of violence colorful comic book violence to it there was lots of elements from the from 2008 which made it in and it it was just nice to see Dread on the big screen. Anyway, so we'll flash forward to now. And although we still haven't got a Blu-ray release of it in the UK or in the US, although I, I can imagine with the, the the remake coming out fairly soon, is it next next year or is it the end of this year? Um, that'll be rectified. But Germany, God bless them. They've got a fantastic Blu-ray release of, uh, of Judge Dread, uh, which I picked up from Amazon Germany. Uh, and it's, I think the UK version is slightly cut, if I remember rightly. I've only actually seen the um, the American version, um, so you know, I, people could correct me on this, but I'm sure a little bit of violence was trimmed out of the UK one. It isn't that extreme anyway, but you know, I'm sure it was cut slightly in the UK. I wonder why German the Germans. Ones... I wonder why the Germans always get such good releases. They get really nice Blu-ray releases. They had a really well, good one um... there too. It's different licensing, isn't it? Different people own the rights across the uh, different territories to release stuff, and Dread is, is one of those. Now, this this come out, uh, now it's got, it, I've got to say, this is a, a staling, you know, fantastic yeah, AV transfer. It's colourful, it's rich, there's, you know, there's grain across it, there's no DNR. Uh, it, it is sumptuous look, a sumptuous looking movie. Um, detail is there there's things which you will certainly not have seen on the uh, the dvd incarnations close-ups are fantastic you know real if you should you want to see you know the pause on you know max von sedow's face well you know you're going to be in heaven because they're there should you want to see the spittle on someone's teeth as they're talking it's there um little hairs sprouting in people's ears nasal hairs you know a lot of things which you don't really want to see but it shows the clarity of this this presentation and more of that later on yeah <laughs> it does look really really good i was very highly impressed with the transfer 
Audio-wise, well, it's German. It defaults to a German DTS HDMA track 5.1, but you, you've got the English version, just a button click away, and it's tremendous. You know, it's, it's a bombastic, gung-ho action movie. So you've got a lot, and of course, you've got lots of um, space vehicles, or they're not, not travelling in space, but they're, they're flying. And you've got lots of, um, you know, panning across, you know, the, the, the roof of the um, your living room giving it loads from front to back, lots of seamless panning, lots of aggressive um, activity in the rears. <laughs> um, um, lots of um, directional effects, you know, gunfire zigzagging across the room. I, I've certainly heard better. You know, it's, it, it isn't top tier, but it's still very, very, very good. Uh, very dynamic. I'd say if there was one slight complaint about the, um, the audio transfer, it's that at times it appears as though the dialogue's been slightly dialed down um, now, again, this could be just part and parcel of the fact that it's a German disc and that not as much care was taken, I'm, you know, I'm only guessing, not as much care was taken with the English um, track, the English encode. But, you know, for the most, I, I, it's only slight, but sometimes it seemed to dip down a little bit lower than I, I would have liked. But, uh, you know, it, it's still a fantastic um, AV um, show all across. Now, it's, it's got some special features on it as well, uh, although there was a slight problem with this for me. Um, you've got a making of in German, you've got a making of in English, and you've got a promo featurette, uh, a teaser, a trailer, and some US TV spots. Now, I was playing this primarily on a US PS3. It is, it's region-free, the disc. It proudly proclaims it's for A, B, and C on the back of the packaging. Um, the main feature well, will play on a, on a US PS3, but the extra features won't. You can't get any of those. No worries, you've got the film. So you take it out, and if you happen to have a Region B player, and you shove it into Region B, which is what I did, um, to watch the extra features, I can, I can watch them, but I can't hear them in English, because the English tracks don't, certainly on my disc, they don't work, which is slightly frustrating, because there's a 20-minute or 25-minute making of, which looked pretty good. Now, if you, if you look at the German version of it, uh, you can actually hear, you get a few seconds of the English speech beneath it, and then some German guy comes over, and I'm, you know, it's only fair. It's it's their it's their disc. It's a German disc, but this German guy comes on and speaks over the top. So you pretty much you lose everything. You, you can't even pick up, you know, what's being said. So it's a bit of a shame um, because there was some some nice um, concept art has been put in there. Um, you know, where how they adapted the uniforms. Oh, incidentally, whereas um, you know the producers wanted to change the the look of Dreads, you know, kind of. Bulky, weird, but iconic uniform. I mean, let's be honest. If you've got a massive golden eagle on one shoulder and absolutely huge golden armor on the other shoulder, a great big golden chain across your chest with like your badge and name on it, um, you're not going to be able to move very well, you know. In yeah, but you, yeah, but you look cool, and that's what it's all about. You look, you look totally cool, yeah. Um, but and of course, the the original the producers wanted to change all that. The costume says, no, no, we have to sort of. You know, dial this down and modify you see, it. That would have been that would have been the disgrace. And it's not like the X Men, where you know the, the the loss of the cartoonish costumes from the X Men actually worked well in the movie. That would have been a bad mistake to do it for Dread. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't right. do it. Yeah. But Stallone, to his credit, was the one who stepped in and said, "No, no, no, no. I want to keep this, you know, as pure to the comic as we possibly can." And okay, the shoulders from, look really big, from, from black to sort of midnight blue, but it looks looks good. And the reason behind that was he wanted to keep the uh, reflection of, you know, it's police, police wear blue. So they kept that sort of thing. But the armor was all there. The helmet looks right. The helmet looks right until he takes it off, obviously. And yep. then, it's, then it's gone. <laughs> and then it's just 
Stallone running around in, in a tight, um, you know, midnight blue T-shirt. But hey, you know, it's Stallone, and you know, we we got a version of Judge Dredd out there, and it's very, very enjoyable. And I, I really, really do recommend this disc. You know, if you're a fan in any way, shape, or form of Dredd or of Stallone, you're gonna lap this disc up. Um, and whatever region your machine is, you can play the film. You know, that's that's the way it is. You can play the film, and I'm not aware of any you know potential stateside or UK release of the film as yet. So this is still the only way to get hold of it. Um, now, as, it, as we said before, the film is getting well. There's another version of Judge Dredd coming out. Well, I don't know when it is, but you know, at some point, Carl Urban plays the uh, the character. I've forgotten who's directed it, <laughs> but didn't um, Alex Garland write it? Alex Garland's done the uh, the screenplay. You know, I have no idea. Beach. Yeah, uh, and it, apparently it's all set inside a tenement building. Oh, here we're back to the air. Uh, they're stuck in the lift, aren't we? It's a small unit of judges who were trapped inside um, a block during a block war. This is when two rival, you know, housing estates basically wage massively violent war against each other. And so it's going to be a, sort of like a combat squad movie, presumably. And I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, that's going to be real tight. You know? You're going to get to know his character. The helmet won't come off. You're going to get to know the, the mean style of justice these guys serve out. You know, there's no, there's no parole. There's no, you know trials you know if you i've seen you commit a crime i know you've done it i'm gonna blow your head off it's as simple as that it's just dirty harry the ideal casting was always going to be clint eastwood but you know even back in 1995 when he made this one he was way too old to have done it but i think it's quite a neat idea keep it contained you know get to know the character gets keep it dark gritty you know realistic and brutal you know and then build it up next time if it's successful enough so Having said that, I've seen, I mean, there's been loads of pickies on our forum about it, hasn't there? Uh, if you have a little look, and it shows some of the, the stills of the, the Lawmaster bikes, and oh dear God, it looks terrible. You know, the Stallone's version, they got them right. The Lawmaster looked fantastic. This, it's just a, mo- it's just a motorbike, and the shoulder pads are a bit lacking. You know, I'm almost inclined to believe that they're joke, mocked up photos, that this is not how it's really going to be, but you know, I, I don't know. So long as the action's there, so long as it's you know they're treating the character as faithfully as they can be, then we, we could be in for the you know us dreadites could be in for some more fun. Excellent. Hopefully. So that's uh, Judge Dredd, the German disc, and the review is on the site now. Is that right, Chris? It is. Yes. Excellent. So that wraps up our podcast for this evening. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, I forgot. Yeah, we're going to go. The big to... reveal. The big reveal. Woo-hoo! So we head over. <laughs> Continue yourself, Jan. Uh, we're going to head over to Simon, and Simon's going to give us a roundup of the 3D discs he has reviewed for the site this month. Simon. No, no tittering at the back there. <laughs> uh, just, just, just so you're aware, good viewers, you, you better witness the whole podcast team reversing age by about 40 years in some cases, five in my case. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants a translation of what Jad just said, you can send us a stamped addressed envelope. <laughs> I, free translations, just PM me. Okay, so uh, over to Simon. Simon, tell us all. Okay, um, so far this month, I've looked at three discs. Well, I've looked at more than that, but uh, three 3D discs. <laughs> the first one was Coraline. Um, which um, was released 
um, it says that this is an American disc and it was released in November, I think. I'll just check on the date. Uh, no, it was January, 4th of January was this one actually come out. Um, we only managed to get it beginning of this month. And it's a, it's a fabulous, fabulous film. The 2D version, which I think you looked at, didn't you, Chris, over a year ago? Maybe, yeah. maybe even more. I had um, the old Anaglyph 3D version yeah. with it as well. That's right. That, that's how most people have seen it. I still can't see um, it on my left eye. <laughs> um, this is a, a universal disc. Um, it uh, plays in all regions, which is obviously how we can play it here. And it tells the story of uh, Coraline, who is um, uh, an 11, 12-year-old child who's moved to a new neighbourhood and is um, slightly neglected by her parents because they are busy setting up their own business. And she's got to amuse herself by looking around the house. And um, she finds uh, a walled-up door, and through it she um, enters uh, another universe, essentially, behind which there is um, a creature who... In the first instance, it seems to be absolutely perfect um, mother and father for her. They are exact, exact replicas, except that they are giving, loving, and they um, want to please the child. And uh, <laughs> Exactly the opposite of all normal parents. Exactly the opposite of what's going on in her real life. So she's um, drawn towards this um, particular universe. And obviously, you, you, when you're watching it, you know something's not quite right because the characters have got buttons for eyes and things isn't aren't that, quite going right. And eventually, that freaky. It, I, 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 I thought that I thought that was really really freaky. That really it is very me. freaky. When when they first turn round, it, it yeah, it's a bit what the yeah, very much so. Um, I said that would make kids cry. Ooh. I'd little tear in my eye. Well, yeah. <laughs> But you would. Um, you didn't try to um, sew buns in your eyes, though, did you? Because no, I think no, they make no. it clear that that's not supposed to happen. And it's a so, typical sort of Neil Gaiman, um, you know, idea. He, absolutely, he book, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was written for his for his daughter, um, quite possibly as an allegory for that. You know, don't don't go don't go with strangers, beware of strangers, and all that. And that message is, it comes through loud and clear. And uh, you know, towards the end, obviously, we, we find out that it's um, quite a dangerous situation to be in. And Caroline has to Coraline, sorry, has to use her um, wits and uh, skills to not get trapped in there what eventually turns out to be um, a sort of a spider's web. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a funny, funny little film. I mean, I hadn't seen it before, um, and I'd sort of been a bit, oh, I don't know, really know what to think of it. And um, it took a little bit of time to get into it. Um, That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. It, but it, 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 it took it, me three or four attempts before I could actually get past the first 15 minutes. I yeah, thought, yeah, I don't it, get this. I yeah, don't it's, it's like what I'm strange. seeing. The, the start, the, the, it's stop-motion animation. Um, that in itself isn't a problem, but just the way it is, it's got that that very ethereal, ethereal music going to it, sort of folky yeah. type. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very like, uncomfortable, isn't it? It's, it's, it's yeah. very like uncomfortable and sort of cold. You yeah. think, I, I don't really want to go into you know this what? world. It really reminded me of A Nightmare Before Christmas, just the feel of it, like, you know what I mean? I don't know well, why. They, they, they it's obviously it's not the as dark. Director, no, but... Oh, is it? Hmm, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's a lot darker. I, I mean, I, never, I don't really like um, Night Before Christmas. It doesn't really do much for me. I, I actually exactly ended up really point. liking this 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 film. I, I really enjoyed it towards the end. Um, the the moral of it, the, the the look of it, it was actually warm to it greatly. And to see it in its in its full three D glory, this was a three D film. It was made for three D and it was released as three D. Um, and previously, um, it's only been on as the 2D and the, and the Anaglyph 3D, which, um, although it gives you a, a reasonable effect, um, I mean, I haven't seen it, Chris, is it okay? Is, it, is there 3D effects there? 
Well, a, yeah, there's a little bit of 3D effect there. There's a little bit, yeah. The, I mean, the, 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 problem the bit the... which I wanted to hear from you was uh, the web, I mean, where she's, you know, the, the battle in the web, that looked pretty good to me. You know what, Ben, I liked as well, you know, during the opening credits when the needle comes out, you're one sewing oh, okay. and the big needle yeah. comes out of the screen. Whoa! Okay, okay. So the, the, the Anaglyph 3D um, is, is pretty flat, okay? Um, Kira Knightley. Exactly. Um, but this, with, with the, the full 3D here, it's a, a whole new level. It is quite spectacular. Um, I've seen some, uh, quite a few of these films now. Um, Avatar is obviously um, the very, very top of the bunch at the moment. Um, um, Open Season, um, which is a, as an animation one, is another incredibly good 3D effective film. And this one, I think, is almost as good. It is brilliant and the scenes you just spoke about the needle at the beginning in fact that whole beginning sequence when when the doll comes through the window it actually comes yeah. through the window you and then the the hands rip it apart and the sawdust and it pulls out the, the 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 cotton wall and then it pours in sawdust it looks phenomenal and that needle coming through it really does poke out of the screen um the, but the best effect for me for, for out of the entire thing i mean that, that web thing at the end that was pretty good yeah, that was pretty good. Because, um, but the only problem with that is because the background is so white, you you don't have the the depth that you oh, would right. normally associate with it. So you you've got a, they're, they're, the web is there, and then the, the the characters on it. So yes, they they are three D in that element, but you don't have that because you don't have a reference point. You haven't got the depth of field. You understand? Damn you, three D connoisseur. But the the effect that is quite incredible is when she opens the door. And you see the tunnel behind it to the other universe. Ooh. And that effect is incredible. Um, English DTS Master Sound, again, very, very immersive. Working with the 3D, it's a, a very, very decent package, this one. Um, highly, highly recommend this particular title. So that was the, um, that was the first yeah, one I reviewed this month. The, the second one um, that I've looked at this month second 3d film i looked at this month was is the um uh zach snyder's uh first kids film the uh titled legend of the guardians the owls of gahul if that's how you pronounce it gahul is it supposed to be yeah gahul well it's because it's owls isn't it is it gahul 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 hey how the hell would you pitch that Gahul, hey. Well, it, is, it is this not the uh, is it not the same animation team that did um, Happy Pink, Feet? What, the Pingu. Penguins, the Feet, the Happy Feet, Happy Feet. Happy feet. It's the same Happy company. Feet. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. It was. It was the, the same company produced that. Yeah, that's right. Um, the 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 um, the film itself is based on the first three or four books of the Guardians of Gahul, um, Gahul. fantasy adventure, um, which is a, a fifteen series. <laughs> I love saying that word. It's kind of empowering. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you sure? Well, every time you say it, I'm going to repeat it. So go on. Okay. Gahul. Gahul. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is a series of 15 books. Okay. Um, and they, they pick the first uh, bait. First three and elements of the the fourth and fifth, and uh, reduced it down into um, a, a hundred minute or so story. So you, you weren't very um, hopeful for the full franchise, then were they? Well, um, I, to be honest, um, the, the way that the film was put together, it would have worked better as as two 
films because there's so much going on. The, the, the owls get kidnapped. They go to the, the, the concentration camp. Uh, they then escape. They then get the, um, the, the rest of the, the, the guardians and they go back and they have a big fight. I mean, the owls go to a concentration camp. They, yeah, that's what well, it it's is. the Nazis against owls as well. God, they were awful, weren't they? That's, I think they're going to leave nature alone. You know what exactly. this sounds like? I, I, I've not seen any of this movie at all. Uh, it sounds like an owl version of Water Ship Down. Yeah. Can the owls mm. talk? Well, yeah, otherwise it'd be really dull, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen the, the entire script, which was go. Hey, hundred minutes of people going twit twit. Yeah, yeah, go on. Well, I don't know. It could have been like the owls in Harry Potter. They could just bugger around delivering <laughs> letters the and stuff. Like, just go go. So, so like the talking owls and the talking owls. Yes. Yeah. This sounds crazy. <laughs> it's it's it, well, it's pretty mad. But this the the problem with it is it's, it's just too much. There's too much story there for for the, the the film that they've got. It would have been better if they'd have split the film um, after the, um, the the main owls found the guardians. Yeah, do you, do you know what um, uh, John Woo done with Redcliffe? Yeah, he, he had you know an epic twenty hour film and he split it into two. You've got the yeah. build up war and then you've got the war itself. Yeah, that's how this film should have been played, I think, because it would have worked really well because there was just well, too much going on. There's just too many characters. I actually quite like the film. Um, I really quite enjoyed it. Um, Snyder is, is, a, is a particularly good director at um, emoting his views, getting, getting across um, battles that you can really get into. I mean, you, in 300, you've got those fantastic battles, these slow motion, speed up and then slow motion, and these very big hits going on. When you get, he does exactly the same thing here with these owls. You've got these mid-air... <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, the elves running around with swords uh, uh, and stuff. They got swords. Swords and a little sword in the swing. Read the blood review, you lazy sod. Are you alright? I, I have just no. Me. This is supposed to be dead gory, though, is it, Simon? No, it's not really. No, it's There's a lot of violence. violence. It is quite violent. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of pecking going on. <laughs> but the <laughs> well, the way he's, he's quite clever. He's quite good. Yes, you've got these. Um, these very slow motion fights going on, you know, you, the, the, the height, the normal speed then slows down to see the impact and then it speeds up again, much like it does in 300. But he angles the camera in such a way that you don't really see the impacts that go on. They, they're just slightly out of frame. So your mind fills in the rest. So, so much like, like the best horror films, yeah, your mind fills in the gaps. So you think it's a lot worse than it actually is. Um, and it, it works. It really works quite well. Um, it's just a shame it's just too long. But then, of course, um, we come to the, the, the 3D part of it, which, again, it's, it's quite stunning. Really quite stunning, this one. Owls, birds, they fly. Yeah, they're flying in the air. <laughs> <Don't they catch. laughs> I almost have in the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there could be penguins. They don't fly. Oh, are they like real owls? Do their heads spin all the way around? Uh-huh. No, no, they're wearing hey. heads, hey. you know. They're wearing helmets. Yeah, <laughs> you <do> have armor. <laughs> yeah. For safety reasons, in case they crash out of the sky. <laughs> Little uh, parachutes. This is ridiculous. This movie so ridiculous. You know, when oh, you guys get a free so we don't understand. Right? We're, we're just, we're just jealous. It just sounds like you're saying really obvious things. The only reason <laughs> I haven't gone and seen one of those in the shop is because I ended up buying one. I'm just jealous, Simon. Don't mind me. You saw it, Chris, didn't you, a couple of years ago at um, yeah, yeah. It, um, Las Vegas. I, I was, so, I was yeah. reaching up into the sky to, to, to pluck these feathers out of the sky, and it mm. wasn't off the, no owls, I hasten to add. But yeah, it was, it was truly, truly impressive stuff. 
Doesn't now, um, the, uh, the picture's fantastic, but the sound is even better. The sound is phenomenal on this disc. Heavy bass, total immersion. Um, the, the, the sounds come from behind to front to front to back, from left to right, diagonally. Any, any distance, any, anywhere in between that. Sideways. Any <laughs> you get from there. It makes, it's totally immersive. The, the score is effective, the, the bass... You're talking about Satan's farts. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> the bass in this is just incredible. What, the owl's fart? <laughs> uh, the, the owl, yeah, the, yeah, they say it. They, 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 the owl's fart, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That'd be a gestool. Gestool. Oh dear. Okay, Simon, and what was the last disc that you reviewed this month? Let's get over it. Let's get over it. What about the extras then? Because they're all crap. (laughs) And they are. They're all all aimed at kids. Seriously, they're all aimed at kids. And it's. I I got bored, really. Um, We should do that in reviews. And and now we're going to go on to the Lover's Guide 3D. (laughs) Yay! It is um, a Region B only disc um, from Optimum, and it's the Lover's Guide. In three igniting desire, igniting desire. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. Is it? Is it in it's... three triple D? Three double D. Uh, well, <laughs> double D. Well, triple D. You've been watching too much recall. <laughs> oh, now this is not normally. The kind of disc I would uh, review. Anyway, the wife's so. the wife's coming in. Ruben's not me. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. Reviewing. Him <laughs> <laughs> and his bloody reviews. Doing <laughs> <laughs> the in there reviewing away. <laughs> the, the the thing I've tried to um, to get across in in the written review is that this isn't porn. Okay. Oh, um, unfortunately not the, you, you, well I say unfortunately it's it's not for um, individual use it doesn't have it's educational absolutely it's trying to educate people in how to become a good lover <laughs> with each other stud muffin. that's what it's trying to do I mean it didn't teach me anything of course but uh, <laughs> he's still as useless as he was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh god he didn't teach me anything because he was that excited he couldn't calibrate it properly <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in there oh, I'm just calibrating <laughs> Oh God! It's just guys, rubbish, rubbish. (laughs) So anyway, anyway, now these things have been around for twenty years. Believe it or not, knockers. (laughs) I don't know how longer than that. I put it to you, sir. (laughs) All right, I shall rephrase these type of disc. The lover's guide. DVDs have been around for 20 years. 1991 was when the first one was produced and made. And it's been made by the same guy. Hmm? The the guy with the hairy face. Is he the guy who's in the... Yeah, the guy with like Peter Sutcliffe. Yeah, that guy with the big hairy beard. (laughs) Not a good marketing tool, that, was it? (laughs) No. (laughs) 
Of course, couple... Simon, there is an interesting story there. You, you said it's been around for 20 odd years. This was the one title that did change um, the BBFC. Your life. <laughs> yeah, on, it's, on, a, exactly. on a serious note, it, it did change the way that the BBC, BBFC um, looked at porn. The, yeah, this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it was the very, very first um, real was... depiction of sex allowed. Yeah. In the country, it was uncensored for the first time. But previous to that, everything was was censored. There was no um, penetrative sex. You couldn't see an uh, um, an erection. You couldn't see it. Um, so <laughs> you said you couldn't see or hear an erection. But okay, children. God. So, but anyway, right. So, think of the year, right? Nineteen ninety-one. Well, well it was it was James James Furman. It was James Furman was was it was was the boss of the BBFC, and he was one of the most draconian men you could ever hope or ever hate to have in in, in control of what we as the public got to see. He cut so much stuff, and he banned stuff. I mean, he was behind him that The Exorcist was never released. It was him only his decision that that that, that was um, banned from this country for for however long it was thirty years or whatever. And um, but we're 1991 no now. Um, we, we've gone past um, the the big AIDS epidemic that, that that hit the country. AIDS was was a big big problem in that uh, it was a media hype and everyone knew about it. And education was seen as one of the tools to try and stem this this disease or this virus. And uh, the makers of the of the sex guide wanted um, wanted to um, make an instruction for for safe sex. You know, essentially they wanted to show putting a condom on an erect penis. Robert Page went to the BBFC, spoke to Furman himself and said, look, we want to make this film. We want to show um, safe sex in a, in a real environment. Is it okay to do that? And Furman, to his credit, said, yes, we need education. You can do this. Um, and then at the same meeting, he said, right, okay, we want to go a little bit further than that. We want to show how to make these things properly. Yeah, we want to show full penetrative sex with um, safe, safely, with condoms and everything like that. And amazingly, for this time, 1991, Furman said yes. And now because of that, because of that one decision, not the floodgates didn't open as such, but it changed the, the entire um, ethos of the BBFC. That's when the, the, the very seed was started of the R18 certificate. <laughs> <laughs> See, that wasn't me now. I'm trying. Sorry, I was biting my lip as soon as you said the floodgates of ocean. <laughs> he planted his seed. <laughs> guys, you guys. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, the R, that's the, the genesis. There you go. Is that better? That's the genesis of the R18 certificate, which is where, which allows um, what we would term pornography to be sold legally for the first time in this country. Oh. Um, so it was um, it was quite a, a groundbreaking thing, and the DVDs themselves aren't in any way, shape, or form um, pornographic at all. Yes, they are naked people. Yes, they're indulging in sex, but it is primarily an educational tool in how to enhance your sex life. So what you've got is people doing the acts, but you can't. All you've got is a twee music going on, and people instructing you how to do and what to do. So. There's nothing sexually exciting about them, yeah. You can't you can't bung it on and go. Oh <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got the internet for that. 
these things are aimed at... You can't bung it um, on because they're not bunging you then, are they? <clears throat> to be honest, I'm not quite sure who these things are aimed at. Um, going out together and want to improve their love. I, I really don't know. <laughs> First going out together. <laughs> Come here, love. Yeah, that Pride and Prejudice or the Lover's Guide in 3D. <laughs> I mean, I can't figure it out. I, I mean, I would never want to buy something like this just to, to put it on because it doesn't give you what you think you're going to get. Yeah? No, no, but if it is a guide, though, right? Fair enough. It's not porn. Uh, yeah. is, is it not a bad move not to show the detail? If it's an it does show detail. Oh, yeah, it shows everything. It shows everything. But, 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 the but, keep... but not, yeah. uh, not with a 70s porn track playing in the yeah, background. Yeah, and there, there's oh, no... Okay. Yeah, you don't have the... It, it's not exciting in that way, if you like. It doesn't have the, the, the porn mentality. It's not shot that way. It doesn't sound like that. It doesn't oh, look like yeah. that. It there's is no what, what it is. It's, it's an instructional video, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and, and on that level, it works. You know, if you're into that kind of thing, um, no, it's structured. It is actually structured quite well. I mean, it, it takes you right from the, the very, very beginning. How, what love is, why, why we love each other, um, what the sex drive <laughs> why is. Why do we love each other, Simon? <laughs> why? I have man why? love for you all, apart from Phil. Touching, <laughs> touching, licking, caressing, even mutual masturbation, all play their part in enhancing the feelings. I'm sorry, I'm just reading aloud from. You're uh, just reading from my my yeah, review. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You're very excellent. well written. It's good. Yeah. Sex toys <laughs> have their place. What Simon, I, I just want to know how many attempts did it take you to, to actually get through this disc? <laughs> Once. It just was it f- five minute installments. <laughs> uh, uh, what's your, uh, your favourite chapter? <laughs> if you lend if you lend it out, it's the part of the disc that won't play. <laughs> <laughs> it's not video. I think you, you, won't, you won't be able to get uh, the players stuck in there. <laughs> Thing is, you have to lend the same same glasses out, and you, you probably can't see out of them. <laughs> the other thing there, Simon, is um, obviously this led on to other films like Nine Songs, etc., being released. They got round it because it was shot as uh, was it an art film or something art, like that? They're using yes, the same legislation. Art house. Load of them, wasn't there? I think there was one even called the Pornographer. The Idiots was another one. Um, mm. There was a whole a whole bunch of them made Edge. depicting real life. Um, uh, sexual intercourse because um, they, they were sort of art house, not porn or exploitation. And yeah, it was all we know what they were up to. Well, exactly. But I mean, the, the way the way they managed to do it, um, it wasn't a problem anywhere else in the world apart from this country. Yeah. And they only and they got round it by citing the Lover's Guide, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, they found a loophole. Interesting, that... though, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, so what's we, what's we, everybody's waiting for this, Simon? What's it like in 3D? In 3D, right. It's enormous. Now, now, again, this is an 83D um, film. So it was shot in 3D, meant to be seen in 3D. Um, They used the red cameras. um, And uh, to be honest, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, Now, this is all obviously all shot in studio, okay? So you don't get a huge depth of field. You've got the people in the front and a little bit of background now they get around they get around this a little bit by some of the the intro stuff um when, when they're talking about um uh, there's a chapter on flirting there's um a uh, chapter on um i forget now touching and bits and bobs like that but the, the way that there's that chapter where the plumber comes <laughs> 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 
<laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is they used the setup to shoot outside. Yeah. So you get a perception. <laughs> yeah. You get the, the, uh, they use a, a, there's a street with people walking around. There's, there's a, a garden, you know, people walking in from the garden. Oh, the gardener. The garden yeah. of Eden. So, so the, the outside shots, you can get a decent perception of distance. But everything that's shot inside in the studio, there obviously isn't that, you know, it's a very, very short, screen there, there isn't any depth of field there so so the way they make it up is by having these um sort of camera movements that pan round the bodies in effect so that they you've got you know front and then it moves to the middle and then slightly to the back or they have people laying down so you've got <laughs> legs at the front moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you you do get um a reasonable sense of 3d there isn't anything poking out at you i know you want to <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing like that um i i was actually hoping to see a you know a pair of bounces but <laughs> that that would make my day but unfortunately you don't even get that um oh. and the 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 um the detail is very very good the the the, the models um you know, it's, it's, it's high definition shot, you know, um, a foot from somebody. So it's that clear. Yeah. It's yeah, shot bright, bright lights to, to show off everything that they want to show off. And I it's clear, yours. whatever. So it's, uh, it's, it's a good picture. Pardon? Are they wearing stockings? There is a title called Spicing It Up or Spice, I think it's called. Ooh. And it's about it's an important thing to know, if I'm going to buy this disc, I want to know. <laughs> well, I'll send you this. What one I like is going to be in there. <laughs> yeah, they talk about mild fetishes. Which one of these dressing up stockings? There's nothing mild about my fetish. <laughs> it sure could be that. the bloke in stockings, though, Chris. <laughs> no, it's a bit of tying up, but at last. <laughs> um, so, is it is a is a good is a is a good good instruction and all? Would you recommend us for for what it is? It's good for what it is. Yeah, um, but does it teach you the tricks? You know what I mean? Find the G spot, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> There is information about that, yeah. Oh, good. Okay, that's um, good. But it's, it's um, yeah. Presumably, it's aimed at twenty-year-olds, maybe. I don't know. Well, well, we can all enjoy it in our own special oh, way. Special I, way. Offer, I often name mine at twenty-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Sound-wise, is there's a five-point-one soundtrack, but you know, it's, it's pointless because you've got the, the guys, the, the two um, narrators come from the centre speaker and the rest of them are just used to fill out. <laughs> two, yeah. You hear a few of you coming over your shoulder. <laughs> no, right no there's nothing like that. No, there is no it's noise in the models. <laughs> are, are they, so they're not, they're not making any noise. You're kind of just doing no. it quietly. No. Um, okay. No, no noise at all. Um, but what I do want to say is there's a fantastic making of on it. Really, really good. But surely the Show whole thing you how difficult it is to make a 3D film. The laugh. time that goes into <laughs> setting up the cameras um, and how it's done. I'm sure the models very, might... very interesting. I mean, I would like to see. Uh, you know, um, it was only 20 minutes long. I'd, I'd have quite happily gone for a, <laughs> gone for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Simon. Sure. <laughs> you're taking the big man now after watching your tape. I know you're a two-minute man on a good place. <laughs> And how do you know that, Joe? Yeah. You told me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, The Lover's Guide, 3D, it's out there. Brilliant. How much of, of that is usable? Oh, that's going to be all a nightmare to edit. Put all of it in. Oh, so you did well there, fella. 
That was very good, Simon. Well done. That must have been very irritating with us children laughing every 10 seconds. <laughs> That's quite that taught me a thing. I, I didn't know about all that, you know, stuff. <laughs> taught me a thing or two. <laughs> I like the way you described it when you approached James Furman, you know, with their, their lofty ideals of what, why they were going to do this. And he was quite responsive. And he said, well, oh, yeah, you know, come this way. <laughs> <laughs> Come into the back room here. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Sheer brilliance. I'm quite happy to uh, d- let this just go the rounds if anyone really wants it. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's like Sarah. I'm not happy to last. Do you guys? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, thanks to Simon for rounding up on the 3D discs. Thanks to all the guys for their reviews this month. That's all we got time for on this month's podcast. Uh, so all I need to do is thank Chris, Jer, Simon and Mark. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, Philip. And we'll be back Ta-da. again with our news podcast. So join us for that. And we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Ta-ra. The triple D boobies. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.